Great. Well, what a really, really special week it's been. It's been fantastic to be here. Uh, I was thinking just when I sat down before, it's 25 years since I came as a child. And, uh, and I don't even think I'm 25. So it, it's crazy how time goes, isn't it? But, but it does keep moving on. And, uh, and some of you guys, actually, I've played football and I've grown up with your parents so, so time moves on, but it's, it's been a really, really good week. And, uh, and the theme this week has been Meet the King. It's been mentioned already. It's on the back of the coach's shirts. And we've been thinking about who the king is. We've been thinking about King Jesus. And every day we've had uh, coaches' awards, we've had songs, we've had Bible times, and we've looked a little bit about who Jesus is. And, and on the first day, we were thinking about him being the promised king. And we talked a little bit as well about how he was the one who made us, who created us. And, and I was talking to our team in Bible time and just thinking even about the eye. And we, we don't stop and think particularly about our body parts too much, but the eye is absolutely mind-blowing, isn't it? You know, you could be sat there and you could look down at your knee and you could look up at me and you don't have to tell your eye to focus or refocus. It just does it, doesn't it? You don't have to think about what your eye is doing. Some of you have never met me before, and, and you probably might be glad of that. But this morning, as you've seen me, your eye is taking images in, passing them on to your brain. If you met me again tomorrow, you'd know who I was. But not just what I look like. You'd probably remember how I speak. You'd remember how you felt when I spoke. You'd have... Uh, maybe thoughts about whether you trusted me, whether you found me funny, whether you wanted to talk to me or avoid me. All sorts of different things are going on, aren't they? Even as you're just sat there now, that's just starting here at the eye. You know, your eye is absolutely amazing, isn't it? You think about the tear duct that you have. If you were to get a fly in your eye when you're outside and how it, it waters up and it helps you to get that fly out or that muck or whatever it may be. Think about how your uh, eyelids keep your eye moist and and just in the right condition. And and maybe one day for these youngsters, someone might look into their eyes and say, I really like you. (laughs) And I really like your eyes. Because they are special, aren't they, even to look into. But isn't it amazing how you look round and we're all different and how God has made us Really special in his image, but he's made us special and unique. Different sense of humor, different characteristics. And and for us, it's been a blessing seeing all of that blend here this week. But it points me to a God who's made us. I I don't believe that we're here by chance. I don't believe that it's, it's just random that we have come to be the people that we are. But I believe that a God is behind it, he's designed us, he's made us. And not only that but he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And that's part of what we've been talking about this week. So we looked at the promised king and how right through the uh, Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, there was the promise of God's king who would come. Then we looked at when Jesus did come and how powerful he was and some of the things that he did, the miracles that he performed and the way that he worked in ways that, that were miraculous. And we talked about that quite a lot, didn't we? On the third day, we looked at the rejected king. We looked at how even though Jesus was perfect, even though he had done no wrong, 
he was rejected by so many different people and ultimately ended up going to the cross and dying. And we talked about why he did that. And it was all part of his plan. It was all part of uh, a greater plan so that the wrong things that we've done could be forgiven. And, and we kind of tried to unpack that as the week's gone on and look at different questions around it. But you know, he didn't just die and stay dead in the grave. But three days later, he rose again. And we looked at that as well and what that means. If Jesus rose again, and, and Christianity hinges really on that. If he rose again, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for these youngsters? And, and the coaches are here this week because they have met Jesus and he has changed their lives. And that's part of what we've been sharing. It's part of why Ian is here and, and what he was sharing in his interview. And I want to just encourage you this morning just to, to think about these things. I believe there's evidence behind a lot of those things. I'm not going to go into that this morning, but come and talk if, if you don't believe those things. Come and talk to one of us. We'd love to talk afterwards. I believe it's not just blind faith, but I believe that, that God has revealed himself through his son Jesus, and he wants to work in our lives. This morning, I want to show you a couple of pictures, and you might think this is really strange. As well as working for SportsReach, I, uh, I also work on a farm at home. And this time last year, I don't know how well you can see that, I, I went to do a job in one of the fields. This, this field here, it was covered in rushes. So they were about that high, uh, and they were everywhere. And every day, me or my dad would go and we'd drive around the field on the quad, checking all the sheep and all the lambs that they were all okay. And when there's rushes in a field, it makes that job a lot harder. Often if there's a sheep that's got a bad foot or it's ill or there's different issues, maybe it's got flies that are really bothering it, they will go to where they can't be seen. And the rushes are the place that they go to and they'll lie down and they'll hide. The farmer needs to see those animals so that he can treat them and look after them and help them. And so these rushes were a big problem. And so it was this time last year that I went to this field and I took a couple of hours with a mower on the back of the tractor and I mowed it all. There's another picture going to come up of what it looked like afterwards, which uh, I don't always take pictures of all the jobs I do, but I did of this one because it's just great, isn't it? Great sense of achievement. But as I thought about what I was doing there, you know, I, I was doing a job that kind of temporarily helped me be able to see the sheep and look after them better. It would save a little bit of time each day when we were looking around. But there was a bigger problem in that field. I don't know how well you can see the picture, but uh, to the right-hand side of the field, there's a little hill. And to the left-hand side, you can't see it on there, I know, there's a stream. Between the hill and the stream, there are drains that run across the field into the stream. And the issue why there were so many rushes in that field is because one of those drains had got blocked up. It, it was bunged up with muck. It might even be more than one, I'm not sure, because I haven't been in there. And that is why there were so many rushes, why there was such a problem. And what I was doing, I was coming and I was kind of trying to deal with this surface problem, but those rushes would grow back again quite quickly. In fact, they were there again just a few weeks later. The problem actually was a lot deeper than, than just what I was doing. The problem was underground. It needed someone to go and to dig and to, to release that muck and to, to bring uh, 
restoration in those drains and to help it all to work and flow. And the rushes then wouldn't be able to grow as well because the ground wouldn't be as wet. The reason that I was doing what I was doing was because there was also a gas pipe ran through that field. And I didn't dare start trying to dig in it and, and go into a gas pipe instead of one of these drains because that would have caused a slightly bigger problem. We needed someone to come who knew what they were doing. It would be costly. It would take time. But that's what needed to happen. It needed someone who was an expert, someone who knew where those drains were, where the gas pipe was to come and to do a deep work. And as I was doing that, I I was just thinking so much about how I am like that. You know, the problems that I have in my life, they come out in different forms. And my wife and my children and those who are close to me, they see when I'm stressed, they see when there are problems and they see kind of the outworking of that. And I try and cover that, I try to deal with it, but it comes from something deeper. It comes from a heart problem that I have. It comes from an issue of, of what I call sin, where I do what I want instead of what God wants. I live to be in control rather than letting God be in control. And I I can try my best to deal with it, but I can't. I can only mask it. It's like putting a plaster on a broken leg. It doesn't really do any good. And it's a bit like me that day doing that pasture topping. You know, I spent a couple of hours, but I wasn't really dealing with the problem that there was there. I want to read some verses to you from Mark chapter 2, and and this is talking about Jesus. Jesus was teaching one day in a house, and there was loads of people there, and some people brought their friend to Jesus. It says, and when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were there seated. and They questioned in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose And immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. What an amazing story that is. We touched on it in our Bible time the other day when we were talking about Jesus having power over sickness. And this man, we don't know how long he'd been paralyzed for, but he was in a hopeless and helpless situation. He had four friends who knew that they couldn't help him with this need, with this problem. And they brought him to Jesus. 
And when they got to Jesus, they knew Jesus was in this house. When they got there, there were so many people around that they thought, how can we, how can we get into Jesus? There's no way we can carry this stretcher over the top of the people and get in there. But the houses were a little bit different there. They would have a flat roof and they would have stairs up the side. And so these friends, they were persistent. And they got their friend on this stretcher and they carried him up the side of the house. Then they had an even bigger problem because still, they were still above Jesus, but there was a roof. They were able to make a hole in the roof. They were able to take, it will be built kind of like tiles. They were able to make a hole and then lower this man down in front of Jesus. And you can just imagine, can't you, what it must have been like for those who were with Jesus. What's happening here? They'd hear this scratching around above them. And then after a little bit, they'd be looking up and this man is lowered down. And they would see his situation straight away, wouldn't they? Know the problem that he had. And as Jesus looked at him, he would know the problem that he had. And it's interesting what Jesus says to him. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't that really strange? This, this man, his need was obvious. He couldn't walk. Everyone could see that. Everyone could see what the problem was in this man's life. And yet as Jesus looked at him, I want to suggest that he saw the biggest problem that the man had. It wasn't the physical. It was the spiritual. It wasn't the outward working. It was a matter of the heart that needed dealing with. He needed a new heart. He needed to be forgiven. He needed those inward problems to be dealt with. You know, I, I don't know what those problems were for that man. There might have been bitterness about his situation. He might have resented different things. He might have uh, felt hard done by. There might have been all sorts of other things that, that worked out in his life. And Jesus saw straight past the outward. He saw the man's heart and he dealt with it. And the people who were there, some of them were there because they really wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. But there were also some there that were looking to catch him out. They were called the scribes. They were religious leaders. And they started to mutter amongst themselves, who's this man that thinks he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. They were muttering and even saying it in the head, but Jesus knew exactly what they were saying. And he spoke straight to them. You know, they were right. They were right, only God can forgive sins. That's not something a person could do. And yet Jesus was going to prove that he was God. He's going to prove that he had power to forgive sins by raising this man physically. And that's what he did. He told the man to arise, to get up, and to take up his mat. And you know, as he said it, that man did exactly that. What must that have been like for that man? He'd not been able to walk, and now he could walk. He'd be jumping around, he'd be running, he'd be rejoicing. He would, he would be broken as well, wouldn't he? At what Jesus had done for him. His life would never be the same again, because he'd met Jesus. But you know what? It wasn't just that physical. Inwardly, he was changed. He was a new man. He'd been forgiven by God. He'd been given a new start. And his legs were just secondary to that. 
Jesus wants to give you a new start if you've not had one. He wants to forgive you. He wants to come in and bring new life. He wants to deal with the old and bring the new. Last week, we were, we were running a soccer and netball school over in Yorkshire. And, and as we went over there the first day before we started, we stopped at a supermarket and uh, we were getting ice cream because it was quite hot. And there was a couple came down the aisle towards us and I looked at them and I thought, I, I know who you are. And the lady started talking to us, coaches. And then as I looked at them and looked at the guy, it came into my mind who he was. I remembered his name. It's Elliot, isn't it? And he looked at me and smiled. And his, his, we, we only talked to them for two or three minutes and his wife was doing most of the talking, so I didn't really talk to him. But as we went away, I remembered who they were. Six years ago, I'd spoken on the Sunday morning after the soccer school. And this guy, Elliot, and his wife, they were kind of on the fringes of church. He came a little bit. But Elliot was, he was kind of a little bit sceptical of Christianity and had a lot of, a lot of hang-ups and things about it. And, uh, and after I spoke... I'd had a little conversation with him earlier in the week, but after I spoke on the Sunday, I was just stood outside and he came to talk to me. And we had 20 minutes, half an hour, like an amazing conversation where God was working in his life. And, and it was a conversation where I knew it was God who brought us together to talk. And it, it, it was just really special. And I remember saying that to him. I, I said, I, I don't believe this is a coincidence that we've come together to talk today. And I said, I'm going to try and pray for you for as long as I can remember to. And sometimes when we go different places, you can forget after time. And I went away and I prayed for him for quite a few weeks and, and prayed that the Lord would really reveal himself to him and work in his life and change him. And as we got back to the church after we'd been at the supermarket last week, I was just talking to one of the leads and I said, we've just seen uh, this guy. And he said, oh, did he, did he talk to you? because he wants to talk to you, John. And I said, no. He said, well, last year, earlier in the year, sorry, he became a Christian, and he said he wants to have a talk with you about it. And a couple of nights later, I was stood outside when he came to pick his daughter up, and we had this amazing conversation, because God had worked so powerfully in him. His wife had nearly died last year. She'd been in hospital for quite a few weeks. She was in a wheelchair now. They'd had it really tough. But in the midst of their pain and their difficulty, this guy had cried out to Jesus. And he was changed. As I talked to him, he was no longer like he was last time I spoke to him. Jesus had changed him from the inside. As I spoke to him, his eyes were, they were light. He was full of joy. God had done something deep in him, and he was full of it. And he was like, tell the coaches what's happened. Tell whoever you want what's happened. If it encourages anyone, tell them. Because Jesus had met his deepest need. And he was a strong man. He would try and do things himself in the past. But he recognized that he needed Jesus. And I wonder this morning where you're at. Some of you maybe know Jesus. He wants everything from us. He wants us to lay down our lives that he may take them up and use them. But some of you this morning, you've maybe never put your trust in him before. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe 
this is all new for you. I want to encourage you that Jesus isn't just someone that lived 2,000 years ago, but he's someone who's alive now. He rose from the dead, and he's changing lives here and now in Campforth, even in this place. And he can change your life. And he wants to meet that greatest need that we have. And we can hide it from everybody else. We can hide the guilt that we feel. We can hide all of those inward feelings that we think other people don't know about. But Jesus saw right past it with that paralytic man. And he sees right past it with us. And he knows what you need. And it's him. It's him. And I want to encourage you as we finish in a few minutes to come and talk. If you want to talk, if you've got questions, we would love to talk with you. I want to encourage you to, to get connected with the guys here at church, if you're not already going to a church, and find out more about who Jesus is. Because he is the hope that this world needs. And he's the hope that you need this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to sing again. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that, that we've been able to come here this week and take part in this soccer and netball school. Thank you for all the fun that we've had. But, Lord, I thank you most of all that we've been able to learn more about Jesus. Father, I thank you for what he's done in the lives of so many who are here. And, Lord, I pray that if there are any who don't, don't yet know you, Lord, that they would ask questions and they would seek you for themselves. Amen. There's, there's some literature out by the door there, uh, Bibles and notes and some different booklets that maybe help you with questions you might have. Please pick them up. There'll be some over where the coffee and teas are as well in the other building. They're free. Help yourself. But please don't put that off if you've got questions. Thank you.